please join me in the responsive reading of our Old Testament scripture. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display God. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoiced to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its feet. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are great, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey. Than honey from the cut. By them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great The New Testament reading is from a letter Peter wrote to the church. So he is writing to us. Listen. Second Peter, first chapter, starting at verse 12. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it's right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty, for he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and we will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation, for prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Respected classes. Five hundred years ago, October the thirty first, fifteen seventeen, Martin Luther nailed the ninety five theses to the Castle Church door in Wittenberg, Germany. What he did that day reaches, has reached, 
to every part of our society. There's no part of our society in 2017 that has not been directly touched, powerfully touched by the Reformation, by what Luther did. And so honoring that this month, for the entire month, the subject has been sola scriptura, scripture alone. And we've looked, we're looking at the Bible. And scripture, God's word, to see how important, what emphasis we find in scripture upon God's word, upon our attention to God's word. As a part of that, uh, usually at this time, we have a prayer for healing and blessing that precedes the message. But this month, we're singing that prayer together. Speak, O Lord, as we come to you. Let's stand and pray together. We come to you to receive the food of your holy word. Take your truth planted deep in us, shape and fashion us in your likeness, that the light of Christ might be seen today. In our acts of love and our deeds of faith, speak, O Lord, and fulfill in us all your purposes for your glory. Teach us, Lord, full obedience, holy reverence, true humility. Test our thoughts and our attitudes in the radiance of your purity. Cause our faith to rise, cause our eyes to see your majestic love and authority. Words of power that can never fail, let their truth prevail over unbelief. Speak, O Lord, and renew our minds. Help us grasp the heights of your plans for us. Truths unchanged from the dawn of time that will echo down through eternity. And by grace we'll stand on your promises, and by faith we'll walk as you walk with us. Speak, O Lord, till your church is built. 
and the earth is filled with your glory. How can I know God? David answers that specific question in Psalm 19. C.S. Lewis called Psalm 19 the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics that has ever been written in the world. I love Psalm 19. You would do well to commit this psalm to heart. In fact, it would be a, a, a great uh, undertaking for you during this month of October when we're emphasizing scripture to memorize Psalm 19. It's quite easy. It just flows. It's beautiful poetry. This is one of my favorite passages in scripture. I could hardly wait to get here this morning to speak to you about this psalm. And I hope this psalm becomes that precious to you. In fact, that's where we'll close this morning when we come to that. Quite simply, this psalm tells us that you can know God. How can I, you know God? You can know God by reading the book of God's creation. It started raining a moment ago. All of us looked outside, thankful for the rain. We need it. You can know God by reading the book of God's creation. And you can know God by reading the book of God's written word. Some people look at, some theologians have looked, some Bible scholars have looked and said, creation is the larger book revealing God. The Bible, God's word, is the smaller book revealing God. Some have said that looking at the creation, that's the natural revelation of God. They've looked at scripture and said, this is a special revelation of God. David writes of both beautifully in this majestic psalm. First, I want you to see that the creation speaks to us about God in a language without words. The creation speaks to us about God in a language without words. Look at verse 1. The heavens declare, they declare, they shout, they preach. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. They speak to us. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language in all the world where their voice is not heard. In a universal language without words creation reveals to us the glory of God the omniscience of God the omnipotence of God the wonder of God Paul reflects Psalm 19 in Romans 120 it's there on your scripture sheet it's a, a, a great verse to know he's saying the same thing that David said in Psalm 19 in the opening verses for since the creation of the world 
God's invisible qualities, what God is like, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How? Being understood from what has been made. You heard it, didn't you? Paul echoing David in Psalm 19. God's invisible qualities, they're invisible. You can, as I stand before you today, you can see me, you can see my characteristics, but God is a spirit. He is invisible. You can't see him like you see me. But look at it in the verse. God's invisible qualities can be, not just seen, can be clearly seen. Paul uses a play on words, words that have opposite meaning, invisible and seen. Invisible and clearly seen. How how can the invisible God be clearly seen? Through what has been made. All art reveals something of the character of the artist. When the, if, if an artist is, is painting, where does that painting come from? It, it comes, the color that he chooses, the, the, the subject of the painting, it comes from inside of him. It's, it's an expression of that artist. Art reveals something of the character of the artist. Well, creation is God's artwork. And it reveals something of his character. Someone now, someone looks at the beauty of creation. We've all done this. We've heard people do this. Someone looks at the beauty of creation and they say, how can someone say there's no God? That's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying much more. Creation not only shouts to us that there is a God, Creation tells us about the very characteristics of God, the attributes of God. The universe speaks to us of the vastness of God, the hugeness of God, the omnipotence of God, the omniscience of God. William Beebe was a well-known naturalist in the early days of the 20th century. And he was a friend of President Theodore Roosevelt, with Teddy Roosevelt. They were often together. And one time at Sagamore Hill, after a typical evening talk, the two went outside on the lawn and they searched the skies for the left-hand corner of the great square of Pegasus. And then Roosevelt would always, they did this every time, he would turn to Babe and say, that is the square spiral galaxy of Andromeda. It's as large as our Milky Way. It is one of a hundred million galaxies. It consists of 100 billion suns, each larger than our sun. Then Roosevelt would grin and say, now, Beeb, I think we're small enough. Let's go to bed. And we laugh about that. And when we look at the universe that way, the any you look at our the Milky Way galaxy at Andromeda, we feel small. But when he looked at the universe and saw his small size, he should have seen God's great 
size, God's vastness, God's omnipotence, God's omniscience. The universe not only reminds us how small we are, it reminds us how large God is. That's what David was saying. Now ask yourself a question. I want to ask you, have you ever wondered why we have this great universe? Why didn't God just make the earth, make the sun, make the moon? Why, why, why didn't he just do that? Why did God make a universe with a million galaxies? Why didn't he make a Milky Way alone, alone that has 200 billion stars? Why didn't he just do it simple, sun and moon and earth? You know what? That would have been like Michelangelo painting stick figures in the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. You could not get Michelangelo to paint stick figures on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. It's not. I can. I can do that. 